Everybody, it's the Ron and Don Show. Ronanddon.com. All right, you guys, what's going on? Uh, welcome to episode 266 now of the Ron and Don Show, and we are live from the Les Schwab Studios. Right? What is up, Ron and Don Nation? What's going on, Ron and Don Nation? Hey, don't forget, if you want to get in touch with us, because you know we're licensed brokers at Windermere, we're part of the Ron and Don Nation, and you could be part of the Ron and Don Nation team. How do you do that? Yeah, you can reach out to ronanddonsitdown.com. It has, uh, you can get the playbooks, the buyer's playbook, seller's playbook. I've written a new expanded book on uh, selling here in the Pacific Northwest, the hottest market in America year over year uh, for many years in a row now. Uh, it's going to be up on Amazon soon, like we're going through those hoops right now. But you can get one free of charge if you email me, ron at windermere.com. All right. Coming up on the Ron and Don Show, Captain Kirk. That's right. Uh, I was not aware after Star Trek that he went and lived in a van virtually down by the river. He just turned 90. He's reflecting on his life. And he talked about things that are important, things that aren't important, and his biggest regret, which involves Leonard Nimoy, who played Spock on that show. So we'll talk about that. Also, AC, ACT scores, SAT scores. We meant to get to this in our last uh, broadcast. We didn't get to it. So we're going to get to it. ACT scores, SAT scores. Uh, no longer important at schools in Washington State when it comes to trying to get into a state school. Uh, are they no longer important or no longer required? Because... Uh, there's a difference there, a nuance, but a difference. Before we get to that, though, let's get to this. A lot of people think about traveling, Ron. You were just talking about a trip that you're taking with your brother, his family, your niece is going. You guys are getting ready to go overseas. We heard the European Union say, hey, we're going to get we're, we're getting ready for Americans uh, to come to Europe. Here's my question, though. Uh, I was looking at the new stats that just came out today, CDC guidelines, and it said 19 states now have their adult population that has at least received one, if not two shots, and they're fully vaccinated, 19 states. We look at other states, though, like Louisiana, especially in the Deep South. We look at uh, uh, places like even around parts of Texas, Alabama, Mississippi, on into Florida, start talking about Georgia. And in some of those states, when it comes to adults that have received at least one shot, it's less than 20 Five percent. Wow. And they said what we see happening now overseas in places like India could still happen here in the United States because we have a lot of states right now that aren't being successful when it comes to getting people vaccinated. How do you feel about this? Where are we going with this? And as people begin to travel again, uh, going to concerts, going to stadiums, do you think having that card that I have in my wallet right now that says I'm fully vaccinated, how important does that become? Because right now, when we walk into stores or airports, uh, we just self-report that we're fully vaccinated. I haven't been stopped yet. Nobody's asked me for my card. What's well, the future? We're talking about sticks and carrots here, incentives. Uh, and you can be punitive or you can try to be constructive. And this applies to parenting. It applies to any sort of thing that you have in your life. I was talking to a guy the other day, and he is livid that there are now incentive programs to get people vaccinated. 
he he was dropping every curse word in the book. It was so angry about it. He's like, I cannot believe some states want to pay people. I can't believe there's a million dollar lottery in Ohio. This is ridiculous. People should be rational. People should know that it's the right thing to do and just do it. How dare governments pay people money? And I want to re my, my initial reaction is to agree with him to say, yeah, like pile on and, and throw gas on that fire. But upon reflection, I think it doesn't matter why. So if you had to pay someone or there, there's been stuff where they've given away COVID shots at a strip club, uh, they've given away free beer, Larry Flint's in California, Larry's dead. Well, his strip club isn't. <laughs> you can come in on a specific day yeah. and you'd get a, a free COVID shot and wow. then you go in and you watch the entertainment. I might get triple vaxxed. <laughs> right. There's a, a place, to, a brewery that was going to give free beer out. Okay. So uh, you get your COVID shot, uh, you wait your 15 minutes, and then you get a free beer. There's been the talks of incentivizing people with cash, talks of this lottery system. Um, if, if someone, and I see, I see the logic in that. If someone is conspiratorially minded, uh, and let's just, let me be insulting for a minute. You're thinking from in, in, in the aggregate, and I'm not picking on any of these States. You're probably less educated, probably have lower income. Uh, if, if you're in those categories, you're more likely to not get vaccinated. Maybe you don't have a primary care physician. Maybe you don't have health care. Maybe you're not in the habit of going to a hospital. Like you wait till you get really sick and you go to the emergency room. You might be unbanked. So you don't have a bank account, uh, that you could write a check for the, for medical care. You're not, you haven't been in those systems. You didn't attend college. You don't really know how the medical infrastructure works. And maybe you have a mistrust of the system for whatever reason. So if 150 bucks means something to you, maybe that's a, a load of groceries for the week. Maybe that helps you make rent this month. And you're like, all I got to do is get vaccinated for, and I'll get 150 bucks or 200 bucks. Fine. Fine. Like, I, I, do it. Uh, is it optimal? No. Should you be able to, to piece together that it's a good idea? Of course. But if that's what it takes, I don't have a problem with it. Yeah. What what I can't figure out, and and I and I ask people that haven't gotten vaccinated, um, I just asked them this question, and I, I was talking to a real estate agent the other day, and he came early to we were we were selling a house down in Beacon Hill for one of our good friends. His dad had passed away, so we were selling his dad's house. So this real estate agent gets there and, and he gets out of his, you know, BMW and he's looking sharp and has his blue blockers on and the whole thing. And he was not with his clients. And the reason he wasn't with his clients is because his clients are vaccinated. And he said, I don't do that. And, and then I'm, I, I won't say the words on our podcast, what he said, but it, it was rather crass. And, and, what was weird to me is he he was looking down on his clients for getting vaccinated. So his clients didn't want to travel with him in the same car. So they were in different cars and that's how they were going to look look at homes. And and he was really proud of the fact that he wasn't vaccinated and really thought that people that got vaccinated were rather dumb. So even though I wasn't calling him dumb for not being vaccinated, 
Like it wasn't an open discussion that, that he wanted to have with me. His mind was already made up. And then, and then I just asked him, I said, what, what is it like for you when you turn on the news and you see what's happening in India right now? And you see the fact that they've run out of body bags. They've run out of wood to burn the bodies. Now the bodies are just floating in, in the river and in lakes and people are just letting their relatives go in huge bodies of water. They're finding dead bodies everywhere. That is a place that we know has not been vaccinated. That part of the world, they have not done a good job. And the reason why we haven't done a good job, I, I would use Haiti as an example. Anytime something happens to Haiti in a natural disaster, the United States shows up in a big way and so does the world. Most of the thing, and you saw this when you went to Haiti, most of the things that are delivered to Haiti never make it past the airport. A lot of things that we even sent to Haiti uh, just rotted and it never got to the people that need to get to because they don't have the infrastructure. So same thing in India. They do not have the infrastructure in uh, mass to get people vaccinated. And they have a, over a billion people. They have 1.2 billion people, right? So... Let's look at Japan. What did the guy say? Japan has, has, has uh, and I'll tell you in a moment, Japan has the same population that we have, right? And, and they are working hard to try to get vaccinated. But right now, Japan wants to cancel the summer games. And the, uh, the people running the Olympics have, ste have stepped in and said, whoa, 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 this is going to be safe. We promise you. It's going to be very, very safe. And Japan's like, we don't want it. We, we don't want the Olympics here, which is really crazy because you think about they spent billions of dollars. Yeah, what the Olympics would, would be worth to someone like, like Japan. So anyway, I went, I went back and I just I asked him when you when you see just the awful deaths, just the horrible deaths uh, that are happening right now around the world. And there's a lot more going on that we'll never see. And I said, what do you think of that? And he goes, you know what? He goes. That's just the fake news. That's just people making up the news. Those are made up pictures. Those are made up stories. And I just went, you know what? This dog is just never going to hunt. Just it's never going to hunt. He's never going to get vaccinated. And he's not even open to the idea of being vaccinated. And then to be out as a realtor and telling another realtor, and he's about to go in the house that I was about to go in. Uh, I asked him, just stay out at your car. Wait for me to leave. Uh, and then, and then you can go in the home and, and please follow all the COVID precautions. But he was spiking the football. He thought it was really amazing, uh, that he wasn't vaccinated and then celebrating the fact that he wasn't in the same car with this other couple. I just, I, I I'm thought surprised that was really he has a client. Yeah. Maybe he's a good agent. I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, we'll see you on the other side of this. Hey, you guys, right now, a lot of people are looking for work and good news because Les Schwab is hiring, Ron, right? Yeah, it's new careers at Les Schwab. If you'd like to work around upbeat people, make good money, and make a difference in the community, Les Schwab wants to meet you. They're looking for people to service tires and wheels and get customers safely back on the road. You don't need experience. They'll train you in the Les Schwab way. Learn more about career opportunities and their generous profit-sharing program at LesSchwab.com. That's Les Schwab doing the right thing since 1952.
you can just tell that they uh, that they're just real genuine guys and, and care about uh, who they work with and just feel like we you know we got we got some some more friends now. It truly is one of life's biggest transactions. If you're downsizing, upsizing, or right-sizing, Ron and Don can help you buy, sell, or invest in real estate. It all starts with a Ron and Don sit-down. Hi, I'm Ollie. Hi, I'm Emmy. Hi, I'm John Greenland. I'm Lauren Greenland. Hi, my name is uh, Anthony Kroll. Hi, I'm Gretchen. And I'm Byron. And we sat down with, with Ron and Don. They were more prepared. They paid way more attention to detail. Um, and then they just came in with a, with a lot more knowledge and were able to set those expectations up a lot better than um, some of the previous uh, realtors that we worked with. So, I mean, I was I was extremely pleased with uh, the the entire, the, the sit down, the, the experience and, and the results, of course. There was a friendship that developed and a, and, and a trust. Mm-hmm. You know, I would say a trust and then, you know, we yeah. have, we love them. It's been a hell of a lot of fun for one thing. I see them as, as friends now. I feel like they've made me feel part of this community and knowing that you know, Dawn's just down the street is is comforting. <laughs> we totally consider Ron and Dawn friends of ours now, and we do miss working with them. It was intense there for a little bit, but it's an experience that we'll always remember and have, and um, and now lifelong friends. It's the Ron and Dawn Nation. That's right. <laughs> Don't forget, when you're ready to sit down and start your real estate journey, schedule your time with the guys at runanddonsitdown.com. You're listening to the Ron and Don Show. To the Ron and Don Show. And yes, my dad's pretty annoying. All right. All right, you guys, welcome back to episode 266 of the Ron and Don Show. And again, if you want to get in touch with us, Ron has written a great, great book about being a seller. Uh, and you can reach out to Ron and get a free ebook right now. You can if, if you're a seller. I also recommend it to buyers because you're going to know the strategies that a good seller would be using. Uh, and if it's a really nice house in a competitive market, knowing the strategies on the other side helps you as a buyer to know what they're looking for. Yeah. So uh, we've, I've got this book. We're actually putting it up on Amazon for uh, $10 a piece uh, to just make general public aware. But if you want one, I'll give it to you free because you're in the Ron and Don Nation. Uh, email me, ron at windermere.com. That's weird. I asked you for one and you told me it was $20. Well, you're not in the nation. Right. Anyway, ACT, SAT scores. A story just came out today that said they're no longer uh, required in Washington state schools. Uh, What's going on here? We hear a lot about equity. We hear a lot about challenges for black and brown communities to get into universities, even state universities. You hear how hard it is to get in the University of Washington. And you almost have to have a 34 on your ACT score and and a perfect 4.0 going in. And on top of that, you better be really involved in the in the community, philanthropically and other ways. It's it it it's crazy what 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 is happening there. What has happened there? Uh, what's the story behind the story about uh, these tests and scores? Well, I think we're seeing an, an evolution in the way we think about education, the way we think about equity, and to your point, uh, the way we're thinking about different cultures and bias. And so when when we talk about this concept, then there's so much pushback into white privilege. And people want to push back and go, oh, I, I don't have white privilege. I've never had white privilege. 
when you look at like an ACT SAT uh, matrix, that that is how something gets built in to white privilege, where it's invisible to most people. And, and what do I mean by that? Well, let's take an educational system, and you want to reduce everybody down to a number. So it's okay. So we have the University of Washington, we have Wazoo, we have Central, we have all these colleges. They want a a a, a way that's fair. So they can take all the high school kids, the graduates, and put you in a box. And so can we reduce these people to a number, and then the better the number you get in? Uh, That's what the ACT and SAT tried to do. Well, what does that do, though, other than to bake in all the inequities of, of a given school district or of a given population? So when you think about this, if you grew up on Queen Anne or Magnolia, uh, a, a neighborhood like that that's predominantly white, that's predominantly wealthy. What kind of schools are there? Pretty good schools. It's a good school system. And people, one of the reasons they'll move to these neighborhoods is to get in those schools. So you're now baking in a higher quality teacher because they get paid more. You're baking in higher quality facilities. Yeah, and I don't want to say a better teacher. I would, I would say, because I know teachers that, that work in areas that are tough to work in, I would say you're more supported. Okay. A more supported faculty. Yeah, totally. Uh, What I'm saying though, so you're, you're baking in advantages to a school district and now it gets reduced 12 years later to a score like a 34. And so what this, this movement is trying to do is say, let's maybe just consider an individual kid. So let's just take Washington out of there. Let, let's say we're, we're Stanford or Harvard or Yale. And you're looking at two candidates. Well, which candidate would you rather go to Stanford? A kid from a, maybe it's a first-generation American. English is their second language. They've lived below the poverty line their entire life. And they have achieved an incredible education, super smart. When you talk to them in their interview, they just light up the room, adventurous, curious, um, incredible work ethic. And maybe their, their score was a a 29. Would you rather have that kid or a kid that, you know, is, is smart and is a good test taker, but is relatively not curious, doesn't light up the room. Just sort of like has, has, had a lot of tutors in, in his life and got a pretty good test score and a good grade average. Well, it takes a human being to talk to those two young people and go, wow, this person's test scores are a little bit lower. I'd much rather have them in my university than this other guy or gal. And so I think going back to that to me is a win and also acknowledging that we're baking in privilege to that score. As much as you want to go, well, I worked really hard to get that score. Yeah, but you also were in a school system that was more supported than a different school system. Yeah. And 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 I think those are all great points, Ron. And and I think something that we need to do is we're kind of reinventing parts of our culture that we feel have been stacked against specifically black, brown communities and women. And brown and brown and black women, especially Native American uh women. We, we have to rethink the way that we think about school. So, for instance, one of the hardest things that is happening right now around the United States is 
we really have the inability to attract young people to any of the trades. Uh, my little nephew just became a lineman for the county, right? About a year ago. And, and he had to go to lineman school. So every time there's a tornado somewhere in the deep South, he's in his truck out of Colorado and, and he's headed to help fix the infrastructure. He's probably making $150 an hour. Yeah. So, <laughs> so, so with that and get it over time and everything else, he has a pretty good six figure income right now. And he's not carrying any student debt. He's not carrying any student debt whatsoever. Sometimes we go to these universities. I remember my, my first year at the university and, and I was there on, on scholarship and I felt such pressure because I didn't know what I wanted to do. And they said, oh, well, it's not important if you don't know what you want to do. Just take a bunch of classes. And what you find out rather quick is all the classes that I was taking were paid for through my scholarship. But so many of my other friends got completely buried, just completely buried. I have friends that are well into their 40s right now that, that went back out a master's degree, and they're still carrying student debt. They're still carrying that debt with them. And that became a big topic in this last election cycle. So we really have to think about the trades because there is a incredible shortage and a disrespect for people that work in the trades. And I would love to see a celebration of the trades come back because on a lot of my job sites, I can tear stuff apart, but I can't put it back together. And that's where I have to go out and hire an HVAC guy or hire a great floor person or find a great finished carpenter, finding someone that can hang doors and hang them in a straight fashion and someone that loves it. And they see themselves as an artist uh, that is missing. And also even on our, we spend so much time getting ready for these tests and the Pythagorean theorem, for instance, but did you learn how to balance a checkbook? Did you learn about your life and, and how you create leverage in your life? Did you learn about taking money and seeing money as something that you could recycle to better your life? Did you learn about philanthropy and how important it is and how good you feel? Uh, when you give some of that money away, you spend some, uh, you save some, and you give some. At least that's what we try to do in my house. So I just think the way that we focus on money, the way that we focus on the trades, we're, we get so focused on these test scores. And, and I got a pretty good ACT score and SAT scores. And they helped me to get into to some of the schools that I wanted to get into. But at the end of the day, all that is is a memorization test. And I remember going to the special classes so I could get a better score than the other kids. So I could compete and try to get into a USC or Notre Dame. At the end of the day, if I went back now and I tried to take those tests, I don't think I could. I didn't learn anything in taking those tests other than I sat down in classes with tutors Saturday after Saturday after Saturday. And I prepared myself to go in and take these exams, get the best score I could, because that's the way you would get into a university that you wanted to get into. So I think that this is great. It's a good first step, but also there's nothing wrong with not going to college. It's okay to go to a trade school. It's okay if you're in a situation where you could take a year off and go to Europe with your friends and, and work free jobs over there and live in a brothel. No, not a brothel. Hostel. <laughs> or a brothel. We'll see you on the other side of this. Ron and Don from radio to real estate. When you're ready to grab a cup of coffee and sit down with the guys, go to ronanddonsitdown.com. 
All right, you guys, welcome back to the Ron and Don Show. And don't forget, if you're a buyer, a seller, an investor, yeah, if you're part of the Ron and Don Nation, let's get together with something we call Ron and Don Sit Down. Go to ronanddonsitdown.com. It's ronanddonsitdown.com. And then write us, schedule a sit down. It's a 45-minute conversation. Ron will be there. I'll be there. Our new buyer's agent, uh, Therese, will be there. And we'll all get to sit down and talk about your journey. Does that sound good? ronanddonsitdown.com. William Shatner, uh, who we know from Star Trek, Captain Kirk. I did not realize that Star Trek, it only lasted three years. And after Star Trek, his, he, and he's been through many, many divorces. His wife decided that he was no longer working and that she wanted him out of the house. I don't know if she decided it. She observed that yeah, he's no longer so, working. So, so they went through a divorce and he ended up actually, he said he's trying to support his kids. He's still trying to support his wife. And he literally lived in a van down by the river. And then what happened is this cool thing called syndication happened where Star Trek wasn't really popular when it first came on as a television show. Either was Gilligan Island. Nobody watched it. But when it went into syndication and kids started watching those shows when they came back from school, and I think like with the Brady Bunch, there was only 96 episodes, right? None of those kids got rich from that. And all the way those contracts were written on all those shows, you never got residual income from it. Captain Kirk actually was one of the first actors to get residual income. So when they started playing Star Trek again, and then that launched him into six different movies, he no longer had to work, uh, worry about living in a van uh, down by the river again. So he just did an interview. He just turned 90. And in the interview, he was on a Zoom call. And they asked him you know, what he has learned in his 90 years. Uh, and he said a couple things that I thought was very interesting. Number one, he said one of his biggest regrets is the way that things ended with Leonard Nimoy. Uh, they had been very, very good friends for a very long time. He called him his best friend. And when he, he said when Leonard Nimoy died, they weren't on good terms. And when she asked him why they weren't on good terms, he said he really didn't know. And a lot of times you do know, but you don't want to speak ill of the dead, I would imagine. And I think, I think Captain Kirk here uh, was showing some class. Uh, but he said that that was one of his biggest regrets when Leonard died, who, of course, played uh, a Spock on Star Trek, that they weren't in a good place and they weren't in... Uh, they, he, he he felt like there were some things that, that hadn't been said that maybe he should have said. And he felt like uh, that connection was broken and it really, it really saddened him. So that really made me start thinking about, man, are there some people in my life that I need to pick up the phone and I need to make a phone call? And it's something that I did this week and I shared it on a previous podcast where something was really bothering me about a person that I've known for uh, quite some time, haven't talked to them in a year and a half. And so I picked up the phone and I called him uh, and we had a conversation. Is it Scotty or Hulu? <laughs> Exchange some, check, uh, some text messages. And I have to say, I feel so better after, after, I always talk about this book, The Obstacle is the Way. And I knew that this was becoming an obstacle in my life and it was making me angry. And I'm like, I do not want to make that phone call. I do not want to be the, the, the one to reach out. This person did this, this, and this, and they wronged me and there's, they should be the one that pick up the, and so when I finally called and reached out, they, they, number one, they weren't in the same place. They were in a much better place. And number two, they were like, man, why didn't I have the courage to do that? I appreciate you having the courage to reach out. So 
I, I think there's a message in there for for all of us. Maybe it's it's remarkable to to read this interview and to think that he is ninety. He he does he looks does not look like a ninety year old man. That is for sure, and he still seems very spry and with it intellectually. Um, reading about that, and I didn't him and Leonard Nimoy both were Jewish or are Jewish, four days apart in age, and so they really bonded just culturally and had a lot of this of similar things growing up uh, and that was one of the things that really brought those two together the other thing that was interesting and it's a little bit harder to swallow is he sort of was like hey at the end of when you reach 90 you realize nothing really matters and knowing or watching William Shatner over the years I don't think he means that in uh, don't do anything with your life nothing really matters or how did you read that? Because it could be read either as like this existential dread or give yourself a break. No, I think sometimes we, we make, and especially if we have difficulties with another human, especially if we have difficulties with, with someone that has passed and someone that has wronged us, I think we make those things in our, I think we make them bigger than they really are. Uh, and we have to find a way. And it's really difficult when that person's not around. Like Like where I have arrived... In, in the way that I feel about my father has everything to do with being a father and in becoming a father, I realize what a hard job it is. And so it makes me look back at his life and extend grace to him, which if I never became a dad, I, I don't, I don't know if I would have ever extended that grace. And I've arrived at a place, even though he wasn't involved in my life for most of my life. And that was his choice, not mine. Uh, it, it, I think he did the best he could do with the skill set he had. And then those are the stories now that I, that I'm sharing with my son. So I don't say I, I, I was, I was on this loop of always, Hey, he was an alcoholic. He was never around terrible foot, just on that loop. And I've learned to say, you know what? He was a paramedic. And, and I remember him saving this baby's life that had drank Clorox in our neighborhood. And I remember him being very proud of him when he'd pull up in his semi and say, Hey, do you want to go for a ride? Or seeing him take off out of the firehouse on a fire truck, just the pride that I felt in, in him. So those are some of the stories that I share with my son now. Uh, because my dad was both of those things and he was all of those things. And, and I, and I think as, as we reflect on our life and on our lives and our legacy, uh, as we get older, I think you either get more bitter or I think you get better. I think you really do. I think, I think you go, you go to the left or the right. It's interesting. I was talking to my cousin, Ruth, who for decades stood in rooms when people passed away from cancer. She's a really incredible nurse and incredible person. And I asked her, I said, how come you, and I said, what is it like to, to stand in those rooms? And she said, it was an honor. And any, any time I stood in the room and someone's life passed and she said, you wouldn't believe all the people that pass away and there's nobody there for them. She said, it'd be an honor to, to stand in that room with them. And I said, what about as people get older, some people get more cranky. And other people, like my mother, just gets more sweet and more beautiful. I said, why is that? She said, in her experience and in dealing with so, so many people at the end of life, she says, you know what? As you approach death, you just become more of who you were your whole life. So I certainly see that with my mom now, who's 78. And I see that in William Shatner a little bit and in this interview. Because who he has always been, I think we're just 
I think we're seeing more of that right now, and it's a thrill to see that. But and then, the, then, the final thing that's great to know is he's doing another spoken word music album. Yeah. Uh, if you've never listened to that, it yeah. is incredible. Yeah. You know what saddens me? Then I think of a guy like Chevy Chase, and I don't know if you read the Rolling Stone article about a year ago. Chevy Chase, who Christmas Vacation, it's one of my favorite movies to ever watch. And I loved him on Saturday Night Live. And then you realize how bitter he has become. And he sits there and he will watch Saturday Night Live and he will critique all of those players on there and talk about how horrible they are. He is such a horrible, horrible, horrible human and so distressed and has so much anger, so much anger and so much rage. It's just like, He's become more of that as he gets toward the end of his life cycle. So anyway, Leonard Nimoy, where was that article? Do you remember? Uh, online. I, I, don't, <laughs> I don't remember yeah. where well, it I is. I think I said Leonard Nimoy. William Shatner turns 90. So just give that a Google. It's a, it's a very it's a long very article. It's read. But it's a very, very fun Absolutely read. Absolutely Make sure you check it out. Hey, before we get out of here, you wrote a book, huh? I did. If you want it, uh, you can uh, just email me, ron at windermere.com. Let's do a real estate transaction together maybe it's the first time you ever want to buy something i love helping first-time buyers i also love helping people that uh have their families expanded and they're they're trying to ratchet up one notch uh we got a couple clients like that right now that is fun yeah. uh, when each kid gets their own room or when they finally get a kitchen big enough uh to accommodate their current circumstance really really fun we enjoy that a lot yeah so reach out to ron ron at windermere.com that's a like a ten dollar value it's really priceless, you guys, because Ron wrote it, and he'll uh, send it to you free of charge because, again, you're part of the Ron and Don Nation, and thanks for giving us great lives. We appreciate you. Keep your head up. Keep your shoulders back. Hope you enjoyed episode 266. In a blink of an eye, we'll be back with episode 267. Just hit that subscribe button, and then it appears magically, thanks to Les Schwab and, um, and our real estate business at Windermere, every Monday, every Wednesday, and every Thursday. All right? Yeah. Don't forget, you're listening to the Ron and Don Show. All right! On the Ron and Don Radio Network. Keep your head up and your shoulders back. And we'll see you next time on the Ron and Don Radio Network. <laughs>